Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of I Don't Get It, the pop culture get off my lawn cast, featuring their curmudgeonly yet open-minded musings of two guys in their early 40s as they stare down the prospect of their entertainment irrelevance. I am your co-host, as always, Mr. Noah Tarno, quizmaster of the big quiz thing. And with me is my August co-host, filmmaker Bill Scurry. Welcome to the party, Bill. Uh, I'm irrelevantly reporting for duty, sir. Good that you're irrelevantly reporting. I, <laughs> I don't like relevant reporting. So today's episode, Lana Del Rey, whose name backwards is Your LED Anal. I think that's important to point out <laughs> off the top. Yeah, how old are we here? So Lana Del Rey was born in June 1985 as Elizabeth Lizzie Grant, born in New York City, uh, raised in New York and rural Lake Placid, New York. Uh, she had wealthy parents as a teenager. She had some trouble, an alcohol problem apparently, ended up going to private schools, dropped out of college in order to pursue her dream of music, played in clubs in the early 2000s in uh, New York City. Uh, she made some connections. She got some minor record deals. She moved to London where she first cooked up the persona of Lana Del Rey, a haunted 1950s and 60s cinematic-inspired chanteuse. Uh, in 2011, her first single, Video Games, uh, became a bit of a viral hit on YouTube, and it led to the January 2012 release of her debut album, Born to Die, which got a lot of immediate attention, partly because uh, she was a musical guest on an episode of Saturday Night Live, where her seeming unpreparedness and stage fright led to something people were calling one of the worst Saturday Night Live performances of all time. But she persevered, the album sold well, and by the time of her next album, 2014's Ultraviolence, she had earned critical respect, and now she is rather beloved by not just young people searching for the new thing, but also some people even older than me whose musical opinion I respect. Uh, 2015, she did a co-headlining tour with Courtney Love, released another album, Honeymoon, uh, recorded a single with The Weeknd. Later this year, or in a few months, she is releasing her next album, which is titled Lust for Life. She has been called Rock's sultriest star by Maxim Magazine. Her music's been described as Hollywood sadcore. She's been called a torch singer of the internet era. And a reductress article claims she's the ghost of a dead girl. Bill, what do we think of the music, the persona of Lana Del Rey? <laughs> There's no difference or tempo or range in any of her songs. It's narrowly in a lane. It's amazing that people don't make a bigger deal out of it, right? Her voice is reedy. It has just a little strength, which, you know, to be fair, you can say about a lot of artists, too. But the thing is, though, the choice of repetition makes it so obvious that her range is limited. What does my note here say? It says, Lana Del Rey is the sobriquet of Liz Elizabeth Grant, 31, a woman who has hornswoggled the establishment of music through a series of hand gestures and twinkling diamond earrings, which <laughs> hypnotized programmers, buyers, and journalists alike into proliferating her stultifying yeah. sound. What was that? Mar uh, Marsha, Queen of Diamonds from... The Batman Batman, yeah, series? that's right. That's exactly Carolyn right. Jones, yeah. I feel like right. there's a couple of different aspects we need to unpack. We need to look at this. I almost see in three different ways. There's the music. There's the image. And then there's maybe the personality, the human being behind it. And I, probably what's more pertinent and salient to this is the music. However, I have the least to say about the music. If you want to keep it straight on topic, 
she's boring. The songs all sound the same. It sounds like a gigantic mix that lasts three weeks long. It's the same exact tempo. I said it's the same exact range. It's the same breathy, throaty singing, which just sounds like exhaustion, depression, ennui. I would say my opinion is somewhat more positive than yours without particularly liking this music very much. First of all, I think she's talented. I think she has a very interesting voice. It's it's very contrived. I find everything about her to be very contrived, and that includes her voice. As interesting as it is, this whole cinematic thing, she does that whole... She sings like... I, I like to say she sings like her lip is numb. It's something I first <laughs> noticed in the 90s. I remember Belle and Sebastian, the Scottish group, who I liked... Pretty much at the time. Mm-hmm. They had that, and Rufus Wainwright had that. Fiona Apple. It's an affect- yeah, Fiona Apple some of that. It's an affectation that I find a little annoying, and she doubles down on it, but... I still think her voice is interesting. I think she actually has quite a bit of range. I think the songs do have a sameness to them, but there's some interesting things there beneath the surface. Her new single from the new album was just released a few weeks ago. It's called Love. And um, I think that shows some some new signs of life, I guess you could say. The contrivance is there a lot. I mean, look at the titles of her songs. Sad Girl, Brooklyn Baby, Ultra Violence, Born to there's Die, a li- Summertime lyr- Sadness. The- the lyrics and ultraviolence. Wait, I wrote this down. He used to call me DN. That stood for Deadly Nightshade because I was filled with poison but blessed with beauty and range. Jim told me that he hit me and it felt like a kiss. Oh, Jesus um, Christ. She construct Lana Del Rey, even the sound of the name, she very carefully constructed this doomed, sad, tragic, ghostly figure. And that makes me want to roll my eyes. I think she has enough talent and enough creativity behind it that I'm willing to give that somewhat of a pass, even though I don't love the music. I just think there's something there. To get back how to contrive she is, I also read this. She has Whitman Nabokov tattooed on her arm, and she has tattooed on her chest Nina, Billy, Whitney, and Amy. Yeah, All right. I now, A, come on, and B, really? Whitney Houston is your one of your icons with... <laughs> Nina Simone and Billie Holiday and Amy it's, Winehouse. Uh, like, it's, a, it's an encomium oh. of, of everyone who ever drowned in a tub. Exactly. It's so contrived. Um, it's and then you contrived. and I, of course, we, we have to take a minute to talk about this. Her song, Cola, which begins with these lush <laughs> strings. And then the first thing you hear, her, her, her numb lip voice coming in with the lyric, my pussy tastes like Pepsi Cola. That is the height of I am trying to provoke you and get your attention but I'm trying to look like I don't really care and I'm too cool what would be funnier than Pepsi there you and I debated this what would be a funnier soda to put in? I believe it was yeah. Mr. Mr. Piv was the winner my pussy tastes like Mr. Piv I like my pussy tastes like uh, Dr. Brown's celery <laughs> That's a good one. I don't know if it's available in every market, but it's yeah. a good one. <laughs> My pussy tastes like Moxie. It tastes like Rock and Rye or Verner's. Yeah. <laughs> My pussy tastes like. <laughs> I'm like, come on, just. And this gets at why did people react so strongly to her in 2012? Well, a lot of it is sexism. A lot of it is she is a very sexy woman. Definitely. And people, you know, it's a lot of sour grapes. I can't fuck this woman, so I'm going to tear her down. Mm -hmm. She didn't deserve to be on Saturday Night Live. She's not that good. Her music sucks. Well, if it was a guy you weren't attracted to, you might not be that harsh on her. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That being said, I think there's more to it. She created this air of authenticity. I'm just this waif from a trailer park 
and I am tragic and I wish I could die. And meanwhile, you dig beneath the surface, she's rich Lizzie Grant, whose dad was a marketing executive and helped sell her first album. Well, that's why so, I, I tread lightly yeah. with this because, I mean, for everything you just said, I, I feel like I had those same new jerk reactions. Stephanie Germanata from Uptown in New York was also similarly wealthy. She created a alternate name and a personality and she yeah. too is a contrivance. However, I mean- By the way, yes. who is Stephanie Germanata? Oh, uh, Lady, Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga. Gaga, thank you. Okay. Lady Gaga is interesting, though, and I feel like Lady Gaga is more interesting and a little bit more authentic because I feel like you're seeing the wink from within the construction. She's almost like a female-female impersonator, a little bit of like a drag nice. king-queen right. kind of deal going on. Right. Somewhere, the real Lizzie Grant is buried far underground in a copper vault, and she was sealed in there in 2009 by her father and Jimmy Iovine uh, of Interscope Records. She came out with this, like you said, the drowned girl motif, this, this mystery... Uh, uh, Americana person who was the embodiment of Marilyn Monroe and all that. I feel like when she came out in, in 2012, everyone gave a big thumbs down. They said, uh, "No, nah, we're not. We're not into this. This seems like a, you know we see through the contrivance, the music. Everyone has the same complaints. You know, it was boring. It was it was limited. It was it lacked imagination. There was no irony. There was no wit. It was just autopilot of mood uh, for the you know sake of her whole first album. I'm not going to defend uh, Gawker or any of that uh, the, the Nick Denton journals, but they happened to write some pretty funny pieces that I liked where they were taking the piss out of it and saying that this is this is a ridiculous premise and this is a ridiculous pretense for a, a young artist. In a world of ridiculous pretenses, it certainly rose to the top. And then something weird happened. And I don't want to be hacking a female uh, recording artist for the same reasons that you would let a male recording artist go or, or anything like that or, or be inconsistent in the judgment of pop culture because there's a lot of bullshit that's ridiculous. I feel yeah. like what happened with Lana Del Rey is that she snatched victory from from the jaws of defeat. Certainly. Somehow she was losing and she was gone and she was lost and she was a joke and a laughing stock. And then it course corrected into success. Yeah. But yeah. she didn't do anything different. She merely kept hammering the same note over and over again. And all of a sudden, people took a second look at it and said, oh, no, yeah. on second thought, this is brilliant and we love well, it. what's wrong with that? This is the inconstancy of the audience where everyone runs in a hive mind to one thing or another without any thought. Now, I'm not going to say that people discovering Adele singing Chasing Pavements back in whatever year that was she started off small and people found it and it's, she was a worthy discovery and she started very humbly when no one thought that this woman from the east end of london was going to be huge you know lana del rey of course has the myth and i'm going to perpetrate this obviously by just saying it not necessarily i believe it but the myth of lana del rey was that her father bought her the career her father paid for her lip job and her nose job and got a meeting with interscope records and they threw her early records out they bought all copies pulped it and tried to reinvent her because you know that was her father's will was essentially to author this creation. But you do have somebody who, for some reason, was anointed the next pop sensation for the same exact reason she was derided for failing in the same place. And I just don't understand that transition, I, I don't think man. that's what happened. I disagree. I think what happened was, I think once the initial jealousy, the initial she sucks on SNL, the initial I want to fuck her, I'm never going to fuck her, so fuck her. Once people got past that, they were able to actually take a clearer look at the music and go, hey, I kind of like this. This 
is interesting. I'm not saying it's great. I'm saying it's got a little something. And once it isn't clouded by people's pettiest emotions, once she's not being shoved down her throat as a flavor of the month, she's just part of the pop landscape, people can take a more reasoned look at her. And when they take a more reasoned look at her, a lot of people think she's all right. I'm still going to roll my eyes at my pussy tastes like Pepsi Cola. At least it's an original idea. Oh, it's and not original. Her- the whole thing well, is it's a quilt. Okay. It's a quilt of bullshit. At least it's more interesting than fucking Katy Perry, than One Direction. Then I mean, I'm, I'm five years ago with this crap. That whatever <laughs> the flavor of the week is, it's interesting. It's different. It's contrived, but it's a contrivance with some creativity. The market can bear this now. The market has room. And a market that gave you, what is it, Gotjays, a girl I used to know, Gotye? Yeah. Some weird one-off song like that. Yeah, sure. Obviously, there's room for all these things. Everything doesn't have to sound like Nicki Minaj or Kings of Leon. You know, there's, there's, there's a healthy heterodoxy of all these different things. And so it's not the fact that people bought her albums. That's not the fact that she's a success. I think there are plenty of pinheads who have succeeded in spite of no talent. I think Katy yes. Perry is a perfect example. She's one of them. Well, but you know what? I, I was going to say it's a good thing that we swerved into the Katy Perry lane because I do feel like there is a pop artist like your Bruno Mars, like your Katy Perry for whatever you can say about their sale acumen. They are frauds whose music feels like an assembly line product. Every move is designed for maximum market mm, share, right? Yeah, all right, all right. This is the line-wide complaint I have about pop music. Anything that has the luster of disingenuity to it really puts me off and I'm instantly turned off. And if I heard Lana Del Rey songs before I saw her face and I sort of read the image, then I was put off by the music and I'd still feel justified by it. I think it's an interesting point because one thought I had listening to her music, I'd put the songs on YouTube and I was mainly working while listening, but I'd flip to the video now and then again. I liked it more when I heard it without watching the video. When I looked at her face, let's put this out there right now, I told you this beforehand, I think she is unbelievably sexy. So so that has to be tied up with it. But, but looking at her face and seeing her sing made me like it less because, yeah, she is contrived. So I look at her and I see the look on her face and I don't believe her. I have said this a lot, and this is why I Kissed a Girl is a terrible song. The most important thing for pop music is to be believable. You could be singing about next to nothing. I love her. She makes me happy. But I have to believe that. Michael Jackson's songs usually weren't about much, but dear God, you believed every word he said. You Mm -hmm. believed that he really felt this way, and Uh, he was expressing something real. I'll get on board with you on that one. Yeah, sure. Right. The reason I Kissed a Girl is the worst song is I don't believe for a second that she actually kissed a girl. When I listen to Lana Del Rey, I can fool myself into believing she is the haunted ghost girl from the other side of the tracks and her mysterious lover who's 20 years older broke her heart whatever the fuck when i see her face i just don't think she has a star power or frankly the acting ability to sell it swinging in the backyard pull up in your fast car whistling my name open up a beer and you say get over here and play a video game She gets to the heart of my bewilderment as to why most things are popular. I can get on board with probably a third of popular music, and there's that two-thirds where I feel like this is coming from a very strange place where I just don't see the same thing that other people do. I'm a little offended that she's been buoyed to success because I feel like her fans are exhibiting gullibility. I can't imagine how you course correct, like I said, from an opening day disaster that she had. And it's like, well, she didn't do anything different. I'm repeating myself, but for some reason, people reconsidered her. Anytime 
somebody crosses over into pop success, they need to build a coalition of fans to be a certain level of success. You can't just rely on one demo. I could understand if it was 16-year-old teenage girls were the bulk of her audience, but you need to augment that with middle-aged housewives, and then you need to work into that with African-American fans, and then on top of that, you need to get your gay men. I think it's it's an incredibly designed look that's sleek and successful. I look at her, and I think she's lab-created like Weapon X. I almost have to plead the fifth on this one, just out of ignorance. I, I mm-hmm. kind of don't know why she's popular, but I would well, love for you to tell me. Why, so so let's break this into two parts. Why is she popular? I thought of this last week when I went out to karaoke, and a woman who I'm pretty sure is several years older than me came on stage and sang a Lana Del Rey song and clearly likes Lana Del Rey. So why would she be into Lana Del Rey? Well, I don't know. She, maybe she's an idiot. I don't know her that well. <laughs> I don't even remember her name. So the only thing I could say is in my difference of opinion from you, I think there's something interesting in the music and that interestingness grabbed her. Now, why is Lana Del Rey popular among 16-year-old girls, 15-year-old girls, that kind of thing, which I would argue might be the bulk of her audience. The reason they like Lana Del Rey is because Lana Del Rey is a fit-for-mass-consumption version of something alternative. I know that word means something different in music. It's a way of selling the very appealing classic Hollywood style, the doomed romance themes, all this stuff that is not mainstream, that is creative, that is from left field. It's a way of selling a variety of weirdness to the public. And I remember when Madonna first got big, when we were kids, there was sort of this, hey, are you a Madonna person or a Cyndi Lauper person? And I was firmly a Cyndi Lauper person. And I still like Cyndi Lauper's music from that era. And the reason is, I couldn't have articulated at the time, that Cyndi was a fit-for-mass-consumption version of Lower East Side, East Village, New York, punk, hipster-chic thrift store style. I don't think she was a bad perversion of it. I think she was really, I think those songs are great. Shebop and Girls Just Want to Have Fun, all that stuff is great music, but it is a way of introducing kids to that wacky style. And I like to think a lot of people who genuinely embrace that style started with Cyndi Lauper. And let's be positive, a lot of the kids, the girls primarily, who like Lana Del Rey now, this is their way into something more interesting than Katy Perry or even Lady Gaga. This is their way into discovering hipster alternative styles, music, culture, etc. So she's the starter kit for this stuff. Now, it's marred by how commercialized she is, doing ads for H&M and Jaguar and whatever. This is pop music. This is culture. This is entertainment. This is big money. But where do you go? That's why she's popular. Where do you go? go? You watch old Hollywood movies. You listen to Nina Simone. You listen to Amy Winehouse. You discover these people I've never heard of. You listen to Laura Nero, you know? She's your way in. Lana Del Rey is kind of a dead end. She's like a uh, highway overpass that is under construction, and just the asphalt juts into nowhere, and there's like a little striped red sign that says, no exit from here, where you feel like you're getting indie product. And she is. She's pitched as indie. She's pitched as alt. And yet, there's nothing there that I think would lead you to Nina Simone. You're not going to go find any of her influences in her music. I feel like she's not the next logical step to some other thing. Now, again, I could be totally off base. I'm a fucking pinhead. I'm all right with that, though. (laughs) I have undertaken a few scavenger hunts with music myself. I think when in my early 20s, I went on a sort of big prog rampage where I brachiated from one band from another, and I started off with our beloved Asia from 1982. And from there, I went back in time logically and found guys like Van de Graaff Generator and Genesis and Marillion and Moody Blues and, and Procol Harum. And I feel like there's a direct through line from one to the other. Right, absolutely. And this 
is not her fault. If it's even you can consider it a fault, it's the fact that music no longer has institutional memory, or culture no longer has institutional memory, and music is part and parcel to that. So I think Lana Del Rey is going to exist as a in sui generis performer, an artist, a cultural moment without anything that kicks back to something more complex or logical. And then I went through the early videos that she made, the ones when she was still calling herself Lizzie Grant before she was sealed up in a zinc vault. It was copper before, Bill. How, how did the metal change so fast? Well, you, you, that's, I think zinc is a better preservative for the see, human see, form. Al- it's, it's the alchemy of pop music. I, anyway. I'm under the impression that she cut the first few bunch of videos herself, probably in uh, iMovie, and they were just her studio tracks with a lot of crappy low-res video and film reel and, and almost like collage. And when I was doing that, I found perhaps the kid who looked like she was a little bit of a misfit, perhaps the kid who thought that she was a little dispossessed by the fact that she had an addiction, that she had, I guess, stood down. And she was a person who hung out with addicts, and she worked in volunteer and outreach and things like that. And seeing her early, I say late teens, if this is what I think it is, it looked like she was an interesting person then, when she wasn't just built upon pretense. And granted, we don't know who she really is now. We, we right. never sat down and enjoyed a Cabernet Sauvignon with her. We're just basing <laughs> it on what, we, what we're fed, what the pop moment is. It mystifies me a little bit just because I'm wondering what people see other than the artifice and perhaps that's enough. I mean, I think you're not giving people enough credit. People start with something, and like you, they hear Asia on the radio, so they buy the album with the big sea serpent on it. That leads into Van de Graaff Generator and Gentle Giant and Aphrodite's Child or whatever. People like me, they buy Cindy Lauper on cassette, and they end up buying Marky Moon by television 10 years later. Bill, if you were a kid, if you were a teenager now or even in your 20s, would you like this more? I'll throw a curveball at you because I'm going to say yes, I probably would have. Oh, yeah. Why why is that? Because I think back to when I was 13, 14 years old. And the teenage striver in me, the person who identifies as an outsider, the person who didn't have cool friends, this would have been almost like a commodity, a luxury item. The fogged window that you're pressing your face up against to looking on the way in. I wouldn't have had any idea that it wasn't the real genuine artifact. I mean, I list, some of the shit I was listening to as a kid when I, that I did have that impression of was total garbage if I look back on it today. In the era of the 13-year-old, it's luxurious, it's elusive, it's mysterious, it's beautiful. It's it's the the what is it the sacred feminine I believe they call mm-hmm. it yeah. Uh, yeah I could totally have seen being into it just because it would have been this mystery embodiment of everything that was just outside of my grasp that I was trying to chase after the, the adulthood on on the cusp of adulthood as a young as a young man I, well I think I mentioned this in our Ray Schrimmer episode uh, I fully admit my musical tastes are and pretty much always have been very racist and very sexist there are vanishingly <laughs> few artists of color or female artists who I really love. There are a few women. I love Blondie. I love Liz Fair, Patti Smith, a couple other people. But I, there's no point in my life where I would have bought this music. That being said, as much as I'm hot for Lana Del Rey now, I can only imagine when I was a teenager how I would have felt about her. Is the popularity of Lana Del Rey a sign that the world is coming to an end? 
The seal has been broken. The sky has opened up. The rivers of blood. The moon has turned to sanguine. Yeah, th- because this is the, of Lana this is the Del Rey. I don't agree, man. I mean, we're, we're, we're kind of the horseman. Really, she's the horseman. She's a bad, there bad bellwether. There are only four horsemen, I, and Donald Trump currently claims like two of them. It's one of those things, you know. You bring up Trump, and it's like there are certain things in society that make you feel like we've passed the threshold. What someone like Lana Del Rey augurs for music and the shift in uh, people's tastes and what they're looking for and how they find it, it fills me with a little bit of dread. If you do get somebody like an Adele, I feel like Adele comes at it honestly. For whatever reason, she's got the pipe. She can back it up. Her ass cashes the check that her mouth writes. Uh, and that's yeah. fabulous. And and maybe there's only one of her or there's that kind of person who really has the talent to back it up. And I feel like this is justified. We're going to be talking about people like that. The way we talked about Nina Simone, the way you talked about the Beatles, the way you talked about Gladys Knight, somebody like that. You'll, you, these people who you know will endure. I feel like Lana Del Rey has all the fame of somebody like that, but is not going to endure. They give Crash the best picture. And you wonder, well, this is the highest thing you can get. This is a big deal. In society, this means a lot. And yet, I know for a fucking fact, in two years, this is going to be a cliff note. It's going to be a fucking rumor people remember. The biggest thing imaginable is going to be forgotten about. So far, we've been wrong about Lana Del Rey. And this is the surprise, is that she didn't disappear after 2012. She She's earning critical respect yeah i don't think she's got staying power as much as pop music is she's here to stay not as much i mean she's you know who knows if she'll last as long as you too this album is going to debut at number one bill it's going to and it's her fourth album and she's been around for five years but again like lady gaga sold gajillions like dump trucks filled with uh, copies of albums and she was this enormous phenomenon like five six years ago maybe seven years ago And now it's like she kind of can't buy a break. I mean, someone who has the chops to back it up, someone who did the work, someone who's got the outreach, who works tirelessly and was on everybody's lips, could not keep that heat up. I mean, you're talking about she was a fucking comet and she could not maintain it because the flavors changed so quickly underneath her. And you're telling me that Lana Del Rey is going to somehow be Laura Nero? I don't think so. Well, Laura Nero never attained a fraction of the mainstream success. Even now. I mean, come on. Lana Del Rey has mainstream success that none of those women I mean except maybe Amy Winehouse that none of those women had and Amy Winehouse of course who's better who's worse I mean I think Amy Winehouse is leagues better than Lana Del Rey and the fact that she really was Amy Winehouse is part of it Mm -hmm. I had another thought listening to some of these Lana Del Rey songs I was put in the mind of Tori Amos sure Tori Amos was a huge sensation especially at my college in the 90s Uh, every woman was crazy about Tori Amos Mm -hmm. I always felt that she came by her confession and her style and her tragic mood, honestly. Was she just as contrived as, I mean, her name wasn't really Tori Amos. Was she just as contrived as Lana Del Rey? And I just don't see it that way because I was younger. Well, funny you should mention that because, you know, Tori Amos' first album was called Why Can't Tori Read? And she was in motorcycle leather with like a riding crop. Yeah, she was... Pop metal. Pop metal, yeah. She was almost like the inheritor of Susie Sue or something like that. And that was her first iteration was Mm. this image that had nothing to do with her. So it's funny you bring that up because she's operating under an assumed name. And I think she, look, when her name isn't really Tori Amos, I think she's been called Tori since she was a child. So her name is Tori Amos more than Lana Del Rey is Lizzie Grant's name. That's a perfect example of somebody who started off with a contrivance and is Ringo's real name Ringo? Was that his birth name? No. (laughs) No, no. exactly. And his last name isn't star yes I was know. elvis presley's real name elvis aaron presley no everyone knows yes, it, was it was shlomo goldstein <laughs> we all know that <laughs> that's right <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, I do not think this is a sign of the apocalypse. I think, well, yes, she's more contrived than most, and contrivances kind of bother me. I think this is just something. She is just the packaged, sanitized version of weirdness, something mainstream media has always done. It's taken the crazy thing and and reconfigured it and packaged it for into into the palaver that Joe Schmo teenage American can easily digest since time immemorial. Yeah. Is she more successful and more respected than I think she should be? Sure. But uh, there's on the list of yeah. things that are destroying society, <laughs> I got to put Lana Del Rey way down on the list, man. Let me ask you, is my dislike yeah. based in jealousy? Let me ask you that question. Well, okay. Let's be blunt here, Bill. Let's be crude for a minute. I see what you're getting at. Uh, I feel like if you're trying to say that Lana Del Rey conjures the images of these the phantom woman that the young fedora, chin-bearded Bill Scurry was angry at when he was younger, you could, you could be onto something there. If she was the straw woman for all the attractions and the frustrated sexuality, then I I think you may have a point if that's what you're getting at. So you're saying yes, you kind of, and that fuels some of your dislike of her. I feel I feel the like we, that, I feel like we made a breakthrough here. Right. <laughs> By that token, I would say there is some jealousy in it. Look, I, I and this becomes a recurring theme in this podcast. Anyone I spent some time in my life trying to be famous and didn't get anywhere basically and I still am an entertainer for a living, so I crave attention. I'm always going to have some element of jealousy to mm-hmm. it. Uh, I mean, I was more jealous of Jimmy Fallon because he's doing something more akin to what I tried exactly. to do. Before we close this out, I wanted to say the one positive thing that I wrote here in my notes yeah. about this, because I think it's important. Yes. I don't, don't want to just make this, okay. a, a, you know, a dragging her into a concrete ditch here. Her music is pretty obviously about the wants of a woman uh, with yes. a very deliberate perspective and tone of that point of view. That might undercut uh, my own bewilderment at what it is that makes her popular because I feel like she successfully encapsulates a point of view in her music that is a little alien to me. So I will say that, is that she is successful in that respect, and maybe that is the enigma to her popularity. Maybe the more pertinent question in this episode wouldn't be, would I like this if I were younger? Maybe it would be, would I like this if I were a woman? I think we're ready to bring the Lana Del Rey train into the station. So what you can do, if you'd like to hear more of our oeuvre, look for us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, yes. and Stitcher. Please leave a review, by the oh, way. Leave a review, yes. We, we need reviews. Tweet us at Noah and Bill Show. You can write to us old-fashioned email style at noahandbilldon'tgetit at gmail.com. And we are at idon'tgetitpodcast.com. I'm at yeah. William Scurry, and I'm on YouTube at AM Caesar. I am at Noah Tarno. I'm continuing my karaoke 2017 marathon, singing in excess of 400 songs by the end of the year, raising money for the ACLU. Uh, you can follow that at, at Noah Tarno. You can read all the songs I've sung and donate at noahtarno.com. And I uh, can also be found at bigquizthing.com. That is my company, the finest in corporate and private live trivia game show spectaculars. Well, next week's Barry Manilow episode will have me back on top because I get that. I get it. I swear I'm going to get it. See you next time when, once again, we will not. Okay. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2017.